Well, 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 welcome back to another episode of Halal Cartels. It is Gabe Pacheco, as always. And you have Samir Nassim. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. And you sound, you sound stuffed up, my man. Oh, hell yeah. I uh, hit you up the other day when we were supposed to record and was like, hey, I just have to tell you, I think I might have COVID. And I had those government tests. Yeah, me too. I got the uh, the Joe Biden box set. Yeah, the hookup. Uh-huh. Yeah, two tests each. Sure, I get to be a little scientist. Uh, what's h- hilarious to me, though, is uh, Jen Psaki has come down with like her second her second infection of COVID the oh. same week as Hillary Clinton. And then last week, uh, Barry Obama got it. So it's you know they were all fucking at Bohemian Grovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but everything's back to normal. Everybody, masks off, and uh, you know, uh, remain calm. Yeah. Drink water and just go. Just be in public, breathing on each other. I guess. Apparently, and China <laughs> is having its worst outbreak since the beginning of the pandemic, uh-huh. and it's a subvariant of Omicron. So. Yeah, I keep saying it wrong purposely. I just don't give a shit. Uh, subtropical variant. <laughs> yeah, subtropical variant. Uh, yeah. So, so we'll, well see. good. I'm I'm happy that you're not uh, positive. C- yeah. positive. Yeah, so, it would be, I saw you the night before. Everyone was. We were at a nice birthday party for Melissa Rocha. Shout out Melissa Rocha. Yeah, we love her. A uh, friend of Funhouse, uh, very talented comedian, and she worked at the Carousel. Yeah, at on Jane Street. That's right. In the in Dumbo, in Dumbo, and that carousel is absolutely majestic. So that was the coolest birthday party I've probably ever been to. Yeah, those uh, those uh, carousel horses are like two hundred and fifty years old. Three, those were horses that Benedict Arnold's grandfather <laughs> carved before the Revolutionary War. There you go, and we were riding on them, uh huh, savagely on Molly. Yeah, on Molly. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Uh, I believe so too. Uh, but yeah, it would. It it felt like a scene out of Euphoria. It really did. Those, Except uh, for there were no enormous tits flying around everywhere. That's right. And yeah. people just doing every drug under the sun. Sure, and Zendaya wasn't running through the uh, carousel enclosure, uh, trying to pickpocket people. <laughs> that show is so great. You're getting allergies. I'm feeling good around uh, cats recently. I've decided that I'm not going to be. I'm choosing to not be allergic to cats anymore. Holy shit. I'm really? making that choice. Yeah. I wish I could make that choice. Yeah, yeah. Well, dogs are still terrible, like, in terms of uh, the, the, the effect they have on me. Yeah, the dander. The dander, but the cat dander is less, less bad. And uh, I like it. It's the first time in my life that I've ever been able to be around uh, cats pet like cats like i never grew up with them you know i've I've loved animals from afar i grew up next to the zoo in dc and i've always loved going to the zoo but uh i've never had like an animal or pet of my own and um today teaching little kids uh one of these little fifth graders uh, she she walked up to me and said you dress like a zoologist <laughs> I saw the picture. Which was we gotta put that on the Twitter. Pretty crazy. When like, we launch this episode, we're gonna post a picture of what Gabe was wearing because it actually <laughs> you do look like a zoologist. I don't know why. I'm not wearing you, like a khaki hat, you know. There's just I don't, something about that swag. It, it gives off zoologist vibes yeah. and also uh Hunter S. Thompson kinda esque. All right. I like well. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love the zoo and one of my one of actually one of my favorite stand up bits is the uh is the Cat Williams bit where he talks about tigers being tigers at the zoo. Cause these tigers like basically these kids were taunting 
some tigers at a zoo in California. And then this was like 10 years ago. And the tigers, instead of hopping out of the cage and attacking them right away, they just stewed in their feelings for a while. And then this tiger was like, okay. And after an appropriate amount of time, he escaped his cage and started stalking the teens that had been mocking him and then <laughs> brutally murdered them. <laughs> the best part is that was innately, like you said, tigers doing tiger shit. Yeah, yeah. That's literally what they do for fun. Premeditated. You know, it was like, I'm not going to let my emotions get in the way. The tiger was not letting its reactive energy take over. It was like, okay, oh, that's how you feel? Noted. I'm going to bide my time. That is something that is very close to uh, home for me, the tiger thing. Um, my dad, my grandfather on my dad's side, he was a forester, and uh, he was also a hunter. So he would go into the woods, uh, the woods, he'd go into the jungle in India and hunt um, for deer and all types of, you know, whatever food. But also he was such an expert tracker that the government hired him in cases where tigers would be wounded and the villagers were encroaching on their territory. Tigers would stop chasing after deer that can run like 50 miles an hour and they would go to the water source where villagers would go to get their water every day. And they would do exactly what you said. Well, they weren't like stewing in their feelings. <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they were just like, oh, smack. <laughs> they were hiding in the thickets. And then a kid would come to get water. Yeah. And that was it. And they are so ferocious and so fast. And they're stealth killers. So, uh, I mean, they're brilliant at everything. It's like fighting the predator. Because they have... Every advantage on a person. Sure, they're, they're super fast. They can jump 30 feet forward. I think it's 20 to 30 foot distance. They can leap forward from so, their like hind legs. So so it's like a Sunny D orange bullet just, <laughs> yeah, just springing forward at you. Yeah, like a 600 pound orange bullet <laughs> that you never saw coming and is flying directly at you. They... Their sense of smell is so acute that they know where you they know you're there from like a half a mile away. Yeah, they can smell your decor noir from two hundred meters. <laughs> probably, it was actually probably turmeric that turned them out. <laughs> oh, that was that's an Indian boy right there. Yeah. But um oh, yes. this boy's been drinking golden milk. So they were adept killers and they're not doing it out of spite, but sure. we're stupid and easy prey. So they would essentially be wounded and they'd begin to consume villagers. And then the government would dispatch a hunter. There's a few of these people. And one of them was my grandfather. So he would go on these hunts looking for these man-eating tigers. The way he would do it was he would match up their pug marks, their paw prints. Yeah. And uh, so the ones that dragged away a villager, he would match them up each time. Yeah, make a casting of it, and then he would go look for that exact pug print, 
and then he in that vicinity and then he would hunt them on elephant back until he got deep into the jungle he would find their kill sometimes which is insane yeah because it would be like a per it, he would just find like a pair of jimmy z shorts <laughs> he'd find like joe boxers <laughs> and, like, and like one oh, this way <laughs> one kid yo so they would bury if you ever see a house cat this is so interesting after they eat their food, I'll, they'll turn around and start kicking back as though they're kicking dirt backward. Yeah. And that's them burying their kill so that they can come back and eat it later. It's instinct. It's instinct that makes them do that. Yeah. It's tigers. like how we put money in a bank. Right. <laughs> this is snacks. This is tigers <laughs> being like, I ate half of this kid. I'm going to come back later and eat the rest. Yeah. And then they basically kick dirt and try and bury whatever their prey was under a tree suppose and then they might climb up in the tree and go take a nap or they might just wander off and then come back for it so my grandpa would hide his scent uh and cover himself in mud and um he would climb the tree above their kill and just wait i just imagine your grandpa not wearing a shirt and maybe wearing really tight shorts yeah. uh, just smeared in mud like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the predator. Yeah. It was like the predator because <laughs> the predator had heat seeking. Yeah. So that's how not to ruin it for anyone, but if you haven't seen the predator by now, like fuck you. you yeah, know? totally. But yeah, that's sort of what he had to do. He had to mask his scent because they're so phenomenal at smelling. Yeah. You know, if a baby bird so no falls patchouli, out of a tree and no patchouli it, for your yeah, grandpa. No patchouli, yeah, no scent. Yeah, uh, he would wash himself down in the river, cover himself in mud, try and disguise his scent, and then climb in the tree. And he would wait until the tiger came back. And then in the night, um, tigers move around a lot at night too, and he would shine a light on them, like directly at them as they came back. Yeah, and then he'd light them up. Uh, so there were people who thought it was a game, you know, and wanted to fuck around and find out. Yeah. And uh, some of those people didn't survive. There's a couple guys that went with my grandpa. There's a tiger that killed, uh, I think it was five people. This specific tiger was just on an eating rampage. <laughs> like the it was smoking bongs in the jungle. Yeah. It was like, all right, I need to go get another villager. So they went to go take this tiger down. My grandpa's like, don't come. This isn't a game. This is like not fun the way you think it is this is really dangerous and they're like we're coming and so they went up in the tree and they built a hideout essentially where they would just sit on this platform and wait for the tiger to come and the tiger came through and caught one of their scents and roared super loud and the dude fell out of the tree and then the tiger dragged him to his death yeah i mean or so the story i guess but there's a photo of that guy and three other guys with my grandpa. Is there a before and after photo? <laughs> no, not of that guy. But I saw this photo once, and it was my grandpa and these three other guys, and they were all leaning against this Jeep. And I asked my dad, well, who are these guys? My dad's like, this photo? Everyone in this photo died a horrible death. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So did your grandpa finally uh, meet his match with a specific tiger or... Mm. Did he retire from the game? He didn't know. He took out a few man-eater tigers, and then he took out a couple of leopards that were just, like, snacking on people, too. And then he got wrapped up in a bit of a 
situation where they were trying to get him to snitch on these people who were black marketing weapons. Yeah. Um, this is 1966, I think, 1966. And they were the parliament of India wanted him to testify and say who was doing it. He had no knowledge of who it was. But he began, he was in charge of dealing arms in that area of the country where he was. He also had a gun shop. I mean, we have hundreds of guns. A lot of them are uh, antiques that are worth an unfathomable amount of money. Your family does. My family, yeah. In nice. India. Oh, and in so India. Yeah, he yeah. would sell these guns as well as uh, one of the, and he was one of the only people who was allowed to sell weapons because India has a seriously strict gun control. So if you try and buy a weapon there, it's like 10 times the cost of what it is here. And you have to go through so much to even acquire that weapon. And they don't market them to children in India. No, no. Like here, where they're like, uh, Fisher Price, my first AR-15. Right. You cannot get a gun there. It's really hard. You can buy... there. It's also a class thing. Like, lower class people are less likely to have weapons like that. It's more of a posh thing where people are like, look at my Dundee rifle or whatever. But... He was selling them, and they thought that he was involved in this black marketing. There was some type of mob nearby that was actually black marketing these weapons. So he began to find more and more out about who it was, but I don't think he intended to even snitch, and they thought that he was going to. So they cut my grandpa's brakes and his Ford when he was going to Lucknow, which is where Pranav's from, actually. Uh-huh. Um, it's the capital of the state we're from. And uh, they were going there for a bunch of shopping and whatever. It's a bigger city than where we're from. And on the way there, they followed them to a petrol station and then had the people cut their brakes. Then they ran them off the road. And uh, my grandpa, my grandmother, my dad's five-year-old brother, my dad's other brother, his uncle... They all died except for my dad's like middle brother survived, but he was hospitalized for I think like a year or something or several months. Yeah, he barely made it out alive. He has no memory and stuff <clears throat> of that. And uh, then all the villagers, when my grandmother was dying, ripped all of her jewelry out of her ears and ripped it off her fingers and really just cleaned them up. Like wow, them horrific, out. man. Yeah, and then my dad said, you know. Um, when they would go on hunts and kill all these animals, like these deer and whatever, my dad said that, you know, that kind of wound up happening to my grandpa. Not that he was a sport hunter like yeah. that. He, they would make venison kebabs and all this stuff. But, you know, violence. Violence begets violence. Apparently. but Karma. Not to say that he deserved it or something. No. Maybe he was, uh, came back as a tiger <laughs> and he's on a reserve now. <laughs> I was like, shit. This yeah. isn't so bad. Maybe I'm going to go eat some people now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, they fucked around. Let's see if they find out. Snack, snack, snack. Yeah. So we went to Jim Corbett National Park in India at one point, and India sucks, man, in terms of. Hold <laughs> 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 <So> on. <laughs> I should have never said that. In terms of many things. But one thing I like is uh, they're conservation park jim corbett yeah i don't really know much about corbett i will say this though every conservation park i go to in a post-colonial nation 
is named after a fucking psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> like a horrible, horrible person. We went to this place in South Africa for safari. It's called Kruger National Park. Oh, already sounds terrible. Yeah. Dude, Kruger <laughs> yeah. was like Freddy Kruger. Absolutely. It was a psycho, horrible, demented, like slave-driving freak. An alabaster shit. cannibal who like slept on a pile of gold coins that were mined from some... You know, somewhere in the in that country. Yeah, he was a murderer. Like, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a rapist and stuff. But sure, he was just a South African asshole that uh, they named this park after him, and they're whitewashing his. They're like purity washing his name. Yeah. Um, and so I can't say much for Jim Corbett, but he was a famous tiger hunter, and then they name a tiger reserve and park after him and i think he was a sport hunter he wasn't out there uh killing man-eating tigers you know yeah he was like killing uh tiger uh kittens yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like they have the softest fur tiger kittens mm, i'm gonna make some slippers out of these yeah I'll, I'll post the photo of my grandpa to the halal cartels twitter uh on may 22nd 1952 it was my dad's birthday my grandpa was on a tiger hunt and he took out that uh, five, five men killing tiger, and there's a photo of him with the tiger. Yeah, that's. I mean, he he sounds like uh one of the heroes from Jaws. <laughs> yeah, he's like I'm he sounds like a Police Chief Brody. <laughs> yeah, he's like Captain Ahab. Yeah, no, but he's like Police Chief Brody. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst though. <laughs> <laughs> the mayor and Police Chief Brody <laughs> can't get down with them. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you you've probably heard my my take on Jaws before, but uh, a cab. <laughs> they made the A-cab. wrong guy. They made the wrong guy the hero in that. Quint, your Quint. grandpa's like Quint. Quint. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, but. He seemed like a fun-loving guy outside that, and he was a, he loved nature, and that's what really got him to be able to track the pug marks and understand that whole thing. And it's dangerous out there. There's cobras. There's all types of shit that can light you up. Um, people get lost in the jungle. They didn't have GPS and stuff. You <laughs> <laughs> had to like go into the thick of the jungle and track these things for miles and miles on elephant back. So it yeah. was really cool to see, and... Um, yeah, we have some of their heads on the wall at my ancestral home in India. And um yeah, and then there's some leopards that wound up at our uh family's house, like our cousins um that had killed some people. So it's wild to see an animal and you're like, "Oh, you've literally ate somebody's skull." Yeah. And now your head is on the wall at our house. So I was a uh, um you know, when I taught science uh, to middle schoolers yeah. on my on some of the days where I'd had like a little bit too much to drink the night before, I would put on DVDs for them to watch. Uh, and one of them was like Walking with Cavemen. And these these uh, movies dra- uh, are dramatizations of like why humans made that leap from uh, just being like biped. Uh, monkeys basically yeah and one of the reasons that we got bigger brains was they they had this dramatized a scene in the savannah and it was like these big cats eating predators eating uh maybe a yak or some other creature but because uh they they weren't able to break the bones of the creatures and they never got, ate the brains right they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to break the skulls so there's like the, the first monkey man to uh to take a rock and break open uh, the skull and get to the juicy brain. That guy or that that monkey man was the first 
he got like more protein uh, than any of the hominids before him. So that was like the the next level, right? That was him, oh you know. And so that guy who like broke open the bones and got to the marrow and got to the brains, uh, all the like other monkey ladies were like, "Hell yeah, we want to be with him because he's like, because he can give us that sweet sweet marrow." And then he was like, "Now I got something else for you. I fucked an alien. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked an alien, and then I took mushrooms." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, he's like, and now we fast forward to <laughs> yeah the internet, <laughs> yeah, eating <laughs> the the fir- the first but yeah, so his descendants are the ones that created atomic bombs, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it all started with I'm going to take this rock and bash this uh, dead yak's brain in, <laughs> so I can scoop out that extra delicious gray matter. Yeah, well, people in India eat brains, I'll tell you that much. And uh, I, as a kid, I think it was on the menu at a dinner one time. And I ate it not knowing what it was, and then I asked, and I was disgusted that I just ate brain. But yeah, I mean, in in Mexico, you can get brain tacos. Oh I, yeah, I mean, you might be able to get them here. I've just never messed with them after uh, the mad cow disease, yeah, specifically. But the whole um, the whole classification of uh, of uh, diseases caused by pyrons, which are uh, weird, non, they're not viruses and they're not bacteria, but they live in uh, brain matter and in uh, spinal cords. Yeah. So that, like all those cows that were, this mad cow's disease was in uh, England uh, in the 90s. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was like unsanitary conditions where these farmers would feed dead cow bone meal, basically, like which was like ground up spinal cords and whatnot, to their other cows. Yeah. And so all these cows were getting these pyrons that were burrowing through their brains. And then any human that ate those animals then got mad cow disease. I remember that outbreak. And something interesting I learned recently was the supplier for Peter Luger, Pat Lafrieda. <laughs> you know Pat Lafrieda? <laughs> no. Okay, so Pat Lafrieda gets their steaks from a place called Creekstone Farms. And Creekstone Farms sued the U.S. government. Because the USDA wouldn't allow them to test all of their cows for mad cow disease. They refused to give them enough tests to test every individual. And you want to know why? The USDA said that for them to test every cow to certify that their meat didn't have cow mad cow disease would undermine the shortcut that the USDA made for other meat suppliers that said they only had to test a sample population and that should be good enough. So can you imagine the fucking bureaucracy that we live in? There's an outbreak of mad cow disease and people are getting fucked up by it. Their solution is to create a bullshit facade of everything's okay by being like, yeah, uh, we'll test that in, that in, and that in. <laughs> oh, well, they came up negative, so your whole farm is okay. Right. Yeah. Oh, you you have three three hundred uh, or three thousand head of steer. Yeah, and... they're like we tested five. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. That's like testing five people for herpes in Williamsburg. You're fucking dead if you're raw dogging out here. <laughs> well, like, uh, so eggs is another wild thing. A poultry doesn't have to follow the same FDA standards as uh, cows, even. Yeah. And oh God, yeah. So uh, when we think of like salmonella outbreaks. That's like real new, you know. In the past, people, humans, three hundred years ago, didn't ca- didn't know or care about salmonella. You just crack a raw egg, like in Rocky, even. You know, Rocky's in <laughs> yeah, the seventies, yeah, yeah. and Rocky, he's like, "Oh, this is how I train." You know, I'm gonna eat like four raw eggs after I go for a run, 
and then beat up like a frozen uh, cow body in in the meat freezer, meat locker. But um, you could just drink a raw egg and not get sick. And the reason that we get sick from that is industrial farming now and like the lack of uh, standards. Yep. That makes complete sense. I mean, chicken farms are a nightmare. Everyone, whoever missed this needs to know. Purdue, the chicken company, is honestly a nightmare world of a place. (laughs) And they hire demented serial killers. The people who were the foremen at the Purdue factories when COVID broke out, people were dying in troves at these chicken farms because of COVID. And the managers were taking under-the-table bets on who was going to die next of the employees that were forced to work there. Deadpools. they wouldn't be able to... Yeah, they were literally taking Deadpools. Yeah. They were like, so Steve's next, right? He's sloppy, (laughs) and he's going to go down. How fucking dare them? And also, the conditions are disgusting and unacceptable. There's a whole bunch of... uh, What do you call it? Animal... Not necessarily just animal rights people, but these people are like, take it to the next level. PETA. They jump the fence at these chicken farms. Okay. And they'll start filming at them, and these chicken farmers go bananas, all but shoot at them with guns. Yeah. Because they're showing the conditions in there, and they're disgusting. Yeah, because it's not like... Um, I have no problem with eating animals. Right. You know? Right. But uh, you're not eating like a chicken that's lived uh, any life. Yeah. It's it's lived its whole life in like a little a little cube. Yeah, and it shits uh, on itself. It yeah, its own shit. And they're like, let's chop its beak and feed off, so it can just exist in this place without moving or threatening yeah. any any other of the chickens. And they're just juicing it up with steroids. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, it's like the Matrix in there. They're just <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just feathered meat blobs. Yeah, so powering uh, the giant machine. Yeah, that is uh, our Pension for <laughs> fast food and yeah, but yeah. We all love chicken nuggies. I mean, honestly, I do, and I hate that idea because I love like a nice tender chicken. Yeah, nugget, but uh, it's fucked and disgusting, and definitely, we're everyone's gonna feel the wrath of it one day. You know, uh, health health is a big deal. This is oh, I so this article actually I saw this in uh, Kate Willett's Twitter feed, yeah, and it got me thinking. Um, so then I went down a little rabbit hole reading about it. But um, this is an article from the Scientific Journal. And, dude, uh, the title of the article is – it's from uh, May 1st, 2013. And the title of the article is How the CIA's Fake Vaccination Campaign Endangers Us All. So this is not from, like, an Alex Jones website. This is, like, Scientific American. And uh, basically – so the CIA was looking to find Osama bin Laden, and they it, one of, so they sent a bunch of uh, fake vaccination workers to go to um, w- suspected places where they thought he lived yeah. to harvest DNA from the locals to try to find one of his relatives. And we did this here in the U.S. not through the CIA, but we did use uh, like Twenty Three and Me type companies yep. to. Um, find DNA that was related to the Golden State Killer. Sure. So the Golden State Killer 
was caught because one of his relatives like wanted to know like if they were part <laughs> Cherokee. Actually, I think it was classmates or something. <laughs> it wasn't even twenty three and me. It was another <laughs> janky like toilet version of twenty three and me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so you know, it worked once to find in an exceptional case. They found uh, the the uh, what is it the diamond in the rough or like the needle in the haystack. They found the Golden State Killer yeah. because one of his relatives yeah. uh, took this test. Yes, and that's voluntary that they t- that they went and and got their DNA harvested. Yeah, um, the relatives. Right. What we're what's happening in, abroad is that um, fake uh, humanitarian aid workers are showing up to to these towns and and being like, hey. Would you like to get a hepatitis test? We'll give you a polio vaccine. And then uh, the kids would go and they would get uh, the polio vaccine or the hepatitis B tests and vaccines. And then uh, after the DNA was harvested, they would move on. So instead of doing the full treatment, I think the vaccines for hepatitis require two or three visits. Yeah, it requires they would, three. <laughs> they would visit once. Yeah. They would give them one shot and yeah. then they would bounce. So, uh, because they, they'd gotten what they needed to like grid off whether or not Osama was there. So once they found and killed Osama bin Laden, they just left. And <laughs> it's just like helicopters <laughs> taking off and a bunch of kids being like, but what about my two other boosters for hepatitis? Yeah. So they fake vaccinated all these people. Yeah. Uh, then uh, now what that does is it now creates a complete skepticism and paranoia valid that these people that are being sent to vaccinate are actually just assassins in disguise. So why should you ever uh, interact with a healthcare worker? And then also in other countries, uh, the um, resistance fighters are just assassinating uh, vaccine workers because they're like, oh, you guys are CIA agents. Right. So it's led to the death of true humanitarian aid workers, and it's led to... uh, just up to like a hundred thousand kids not uh, getting vaccinated, not getting completely vaccinated, and then <laughs> more than that, no one ever trusting vaccination programs again. Yeah, even if it's their own people trying to give out the vaccines, are not going to believe it. So I was watching a documentary about this, and they were talking about how they went to a Badabad or wherever OBL was. Yeah, and they were shout out OBL. he's not my friend i I don't know why i said i I love how they called him obl (laughs) y'all know who we're talking about (laughs) it's like yeah uh we're not friends but he they were asking the kids when they would show up don't you want your grandparents and like your elderly folks in the village to come they they need these vaccines they could die early using the sympathies of the children to try and lure more and more people down to the vaccination site. But they were also knowing that the children were impervious to their question or like, sorry, they were not impervious. The adults were impervious to their questioning. The adults would hide any information that would ever give away because they were already skeptical. Right, right. So they were using children's naivety against them to be like, who else lives here? And that's how they found out the specific house that he was at was they said, um, yes, questions to the kids well why doesn't the man who lives over at that house come down what happened to that guy he, he doesn't want to get his vaccine <laughs> and they're like oh he never leaves he's like a white beard and, you know like yeah the yeah. whole shit <laughs> he walks around with a dialysis machine on a pole yeah <laughs> and they were like 
bingo. <laughs> like, yeah. Immediately. Of course it's him. Um, so they use these kids naivety against them to snitch on him. Yeah. And then the other thing that I thought was very hilarious and classic Americana is to add insult to injury after they wiped him out. And I'm not trying to say that he was in a piece of shit because he definitely was. That's right. um, To add insult to injury, they did this whole campaign of, hey, guys, another thing. We found a bunch of nasty porn on his computer. So come on now, guys. Yeah. He He was dragging off in his old age or whatever. And I don't know, maybe he did whack off and stuff, but what a bizarre tidbit to just like put out there. A salacious tidbit for our puritanical, like little American brains. Yeah. And also for them to say, like, look at your cock sucking leader. We took him out and we found his dirty porno. You, You all are into porn too. There is no, you're not like. Uh, religious fundamentalists, etc. Yeah, which is kind of true because the nine eleven hijackers were all strip club dogs. <laughs> they were like, I know, going to the bed. Ba- oh, they were like, how lame, partying, drinking. They were like taking out like uh, thousands of dollars in ones, kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so why are they doing some terrorism in the name of God when? The last things they're doing are going to declurb. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Just what's up, baby? I like your clear heels. <laughs> yeah. This will get me into heaven. Yeah. Play Just my favorite ludicrous song again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But so, but why I bring it up uh, also is we have this idea that the assassination of Osama bin Laden was a strategic tactical right. event where. Uh, there was a minimization of human collateral. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, we didn't carpet bomb it. Was bomb it. Yeah. It was, yep. you know, we sent in a, a Navy SEAL team, whatever, bullshit. When in fact, what it did was it Ill- illegitimated vac- vaccines and after on the Pakistan Afghanistan border, yeah. illegitimized them. So, like now, you know, the Taliban commanders were like banning polio vaccines in Pakistan. And now you know why. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so now there's going to be this eruption of this medieval like disease because we, uh, through misinformation, created a climate for uh, mistrust, a mistrust, and a um, like a what what would you call this? Like a health (laughs) crisis, a health crisis. Yeah, Uh, we're creating a pandemic abroad. Sure. Oh, it's literally it's like a dirty bomb. It is biological warfare. (laughs) It literally is. (laughs) And then after that, in uh, Nigeria, uh, 10 polio workers were uh, killed by gunmen. In so, dogs probably did it. Probably, dude. Yeah, they Bo- love to kill. <laughs> <laughs> That's like their thing. Yeah. Boko Harems. I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of their MO. Yeah, they love do it. psychotic shit like that. It's, speaking of mistrust, can we talk about how we deliver this kind of information? <laughs> and it's readily available, though. Like, if you open your eyes... <laughs> And take time away from watching uh, Ted Lasso. Yeah, Ted fucking Lasso. (laughs) If you exactly, exactly, your fucking weird feel good TV. Yeah, if you stop (laughs) watching feel good TV for a minute and just read the writing on the fucking walls, I it just behooves me to say this though. 
Uh, I hope our listeners are smart enough to not be these fucking dum-dums who constantly keep talking about how the war in Ukraine is the worst thing that has ever happened. Are you fuck? Do you have a short fucking memory? Like, what about how <laughs> almost like a million people were murdered in the street in Haiti while the world watched and the United States wouldn't even fucking send bags of rice or something there? Like, nobody gave a fuck while... Yeah. 800 some odd thousand people were being slaughtered in their pools of blood. So <laughs> I saw this this uh, social media propaganda now. The yeah. line is so crazy because it used to come from a dubious source or whatever, but now it's just the zeitgeist. Everyone's sharing these heartfelt videos. There's a video of like, a 93-year-old Ukrainian grandma um and she is talking about how this is the worst thing she has seen. And she has lived through World <laughs> War II. And I'm like, yeah. okay. She's yeah, like, case in point. There yeah. were... How about the time you left your house as a child and you thought it was snowing, but then you realized it was just like a foot of ash. <laughs> yeah, it was falling from that? the sky. How about that? Yeah. How about that? And so... I'm just shocked at the inability for people to think for themselves, but also just get wrapped up in uh, sloganry and flag waves. Everyone's got the blue and yellow flag. Uh, you've never been to Ukraine. You, yeah. don't, you don't even know. You the know. the uh, blonde hair, blue eyed flag. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I was thinking, so I listened to the War Nerd as well, which is like a pretty cool podcast. Uh, Mark Ames uh, and and uh, the War Nerd. I can't remember his name right now. That's so that's what I call him. But one thing that they brought up is like the more that we give weapons to the Ukraine, the worse it's going to be, right? Because the Ukrainian resistance fighters are going to keep fighting. And we're just it's like we're just like throwing um gasoline on the yes. horn mixing analogies. Yeah, we're just like continue to kick the hornet's nest 100%. and uh the resistance fighters centrists are never the resistance fighters. So yeah, we've got this like photogenic Zelensky dude who is fine maybe he really is like a moderate um but his faction is not the going to be the survivors the last survivors of the resistance are going to be the azov boys because they're like nazi martyrs yeah for the cause yeah and uh you need to have an ideology whether it's good or bad you need to have an ideology in order to be willing to march to your fucking death yeah you do <laughs> yeah you can't be like i think i'll do it yeah <laughs> you're like dude you're under heavy fire you're, yeah you're your good. ideology can't be like uh i'm really into open markets and like <laughs> an amazon prime account <laughs> yeah. like your ideology has to be like blood and soil or yeah. like you know uh, liberate liberate all the people like it has to be utopian in some way yeah or psychotic <laughs> <laughs> and so uh what they brought up is uh that the you know i was following um the like decimation of uh, the chechenian resistance fighters that i was like vibing with back in the 90s yeah. i was like ah, dude yeah that's cool like uh i was into the idea of autonomous liberated you know groups in the yeah. former soviet union yeah and they like decimated the chechenians and like we had and the blowback from that was the boston bombers yeah. here but also now those Chechenians that are left, like it's basically it's going to be uh, Syrian and Chechenian mercenaries that are going to be sent to fight in the Ukraine yeah. in door to door uh, anti uh, counterinsurgency. And they don't give they're like, they don't give a they fuck. Give a fuck dude. <laughs> they gave Chechnya gave Russia hell and they're like a yeah. nowhere land. 
and they fuck them up. Yeah, yeah. It, it's basically like it, they're basically going to be sending like Kurgans from uh, Highlander. Yeah, <laughs> like War Boys. Yeah, into uh, into the Ukraine. Yeah, uh, eventually to do street fighting and fucking localized combat. Yeah, so yeah. we should like tell everybody to chill out. Yeah, or like that should be the line. I'm not for the invasion and pacification of the Ukraine. I'm also not for uh, perpetual war and violence. Yeah, yeah, because everyone keeps <laughs> posting little babies like hiding out and blown up hospital shit or whatever, and it's like this is gonna happen forever. Because <laughs> yeah. you think Russia is gonna stop? They're not gonna stop. Nah, bro. This is like. Two chads fighting outside of the club. It's not ending until the cops get there or someone gets knocked out. And like the more sanctions we have against them, it's like life finds a way or uh, uh, humans are are infinitely adaptable and we will they will realign with uh, India and China for uh, and create their own independent uh, financial like I'm just, literally yeah they'll, but but I feel like that they'll just create an, uh, another pole another they'll find a way like they'll the find pain, another way they'll feel the pain initially and then they'll find a way around it like anyone does so like they yeah. have sanctioned uh, numerous countries that have found a way around it like Iran. yeah or like uh, Cuba came up with its own better COVID vaccine than ours uh, why because they found a way they've got a better healthcare system than us. They found a way. They have a better agricultural system than us because they haven't been able to rely on like heavy industrialized, like petrol based uh, agriculture. And they have uh, better antique cars than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, so the sanctions they don't really matter. They right. they they accelerate our downfall by making uh, our world less interconnected. So there's another thing about this. I'm glad that you mentioned that. It's the oligarchs, for example. Right. So. They want to make Russia feel the pain, and sanctions are one way. The other way is for them to sanction the oligarchs. So there's a guy like Abramovich who they sanctioned in the UK. They're forcing him to sell a soccer team. And, you know, today Zelensky said, hey, United States, don't sanction Abramovich, who's a billionaire, worldwide billionaire. He owns all the shit. He owns all these properties, yachts, yada, yada. But uh, what makes... An oligarch, an oligarch is their influence over politics. And what's interesting is, uh, we were talking about this earlier, but you had mentioned, so in Russia, oligarchs are only oligarchs until Putin feels offended by them, and then they're either poisoned or thrown in jail <laughs> for life. Yeah, same thing yeah. in China, right? Same like, thing in China, like Jack Ma, like vanished all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> like like fucking... you, you, it's it's kind of miserable uh, by the U.S. standards of what being hyper wealthy means because there you have all the money in the world, but it doesn't mean you have all the power in the world. Yeah, because you immediately get your lights turned out. Yeah, like you could just freeze your assets if he wants to. Whereas our all, we have like a, a true, oligarch, true yeah. oligarchs. Yeah, uh, where um, uh, Elon Musk can just tweet whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, and say like, "Fuck you, SEC! You can't <laughs> shut me down. I'll never go to jail." And then they go like, "Dagnabbit! I'm finding you a million dollars." And then he goes, "All right, cool. I'll just take another shoebox in my dining room or whatever." You know? Yeah. And that's like the lowest level. He's the lowest level. But then Easy, you get to yeah. the Koch brothers, who uh, fund entire political campaign. Um, uh, campaigns and causes and yep. the entire libertarian movement to Peter undermine, Dale, dude. Yeah, or uh, or uh, Facebook's Zuckerberg, who influences. We we say that uh, Russia influenced the 
elections. It was all Cuckerberg. Yeah. In the name of uh, money, dude. Is it, it, it was all about time on set. He's a one-track mind, and that's the stock price. And so all of the rampant savagery that was going on on the platform, he completely ignored, turned a blind eye to, because it was all in service of time on site. So, he, and yeah. so the divisiveness, the arguments, the fucking propaganda led to those divisive arguments, and it made people keep coming back to antagonize each other and shit on their entire family, cut people off. It trashed this country. And so even if it was... uh other countries using uh, other countries paying for the ads, it was still an American oligarchs <coughs> platform and yeah. tool and their uh, avarice and greed that allowed for the manipulation of our and other people's um, governments and societies. Because we look at places like the Philippines as well, where like Facebook is their is basically their Google. Yeah. You know, and uh, they do everything with it. So we have the true oligarchs. And then you brought up. Nancy Our girl, Pelosi. Nancy P. Yeah. She is in charge of regulating entire markets, and she's <laughs> investing in them accordingly. <laughs> it's like, fuck. We have, and so the cognitive dissonance is so shocking to me, because we have a culture of people who are always trying to be like, I'm smarter than you. I know more random factoids. Or, um, Our culture is one of, oh, X thing is happening. Now I'm an expert on jets. Right. Right? Like, there's a jet-related conundrum that everyone's talking about. Now, every moron is talking about how they know more about jets than other people. It is people racing to pretend to be experts on shit they don't know a goddamn thing about. And meanwhile, nobody pays attention to the writing on the wall. Hey, everything that we accuse Russia of, we can make a goddamn checklist. Oh, <laughs> oligarchs? Yeah, we're run by oligarchs fully. Um in fact, we're run by corporations that are run by oligarchs, essentially. And or, I mean, they're shareholder-owned, technically, but let's be real. And then we have suppression of media. Like, this very conversation that goes against the grain, the likelihood of it getting chucked off a platform, you would never think that because we have freedom of speech. But this could violate the terms of service of some bullshit platform. That wants to tout the party line or wants to um, do everything they can to back up the collective uh, direction that we're supposed to move in. Russia yeah. bad, Ukraine good. And they can it can be done through shadow banning. It can be done through algorithms. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't even have to be done explicitly with uh, anyone pulling the lever uh, on us, but just just the words. Well, even- yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they scrub every the audio. So everyone loves to see the auto captions. Yeah, but nobody <laughs> loves to know what the auto captions are really there for. It's yeah. moderation. I was looking up the, uh, you know, just look up the net worth of of any of these people. Uh, Madeline Albright just died. Yeah, uh, speaking of uh, a war criminal. Yeah, and uh, we get so sad. You know, we like, oh my gosh, the Russians they bombed one. They bombed a school. Maybe a school got bombed. Maybe. Right. Uh, that was probably uh, they probably had a, a day off anyway, because <laughs> who's going to school in the middle of a war? Yeah. So a teacher dies or like they say four or five kids die. And yes, all of that is heartbreaking. But then Joe Biden decides to like drone strike um, oh, what he thinks uh, a- a- enemy combatants are Taliban in Afghanistan and ends up killing like 10 kids and not one of and none of them are combatants. None of their parents or Madeleine Albright. 
there are all these interviews where uh, people are interviewing her about uh, the sanctions in Iraq. So in the 90s, she's sanctioning Iraq, and uh, thousands of children are dying because of the sanctions. And she's like, hey, cost of doing business. Yep. You know, so her heartless calculus is like, yeah, these kids are awash. That is some war criminal shit. We're, we're like shedding tears over like four or five blonde, blue-eyed kids maybe dying because I can't necessarily trust the news coming out. Yeah, we know out. how to quantify. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they are, but there are Iraqi <laughs> children, 500,000. Yeah. I mean, I lost count. It's well over a million. Yeah. And what happened to them? Why right. are, don't and they get the tears? They don't get the tears, and uh, and we because and we listen to her talk, and we think because she looks like, not not like you and I, but she looks like what we think normal is, the default whiteness of this country. She looks and sounds professional and speaks four languages, five languages. So we're like, oh, well, she must be because she's civilized. So it's okay when she says that these uh, human children's lives are disposable. Yeah, and, collateral damage. And uh, she reminds me, I looked up, you know, her bio. She was a Czech, she's from the Czech Republic. Yeah. And uh, her parents uh, left uh, the Czech Republic when the Nazis came into power. So her dad fled. I think he was an ambassador. Then after uh, the Third Reich falls, they come back. And then the Soviet Union, <laughs> there's a communist revolution that happens there in like 48. And her family leaves again. Um, and they're Jewish. Her family is uh, on her dad's side. Or she's Jewish, right? So she they leave uh, Europe for the U.S. And um, it's so interesting to me that these refugees from uh, war-torn places, just like the woman from the Ukraine that we talked about last episode, they come to the U.S. and then uh, join the most like repressive foreign policy regimes. Like, like uh, it's like learning no lessons from. Yeah. Uh, basically, nobody should ever hire a refugee, a child refugee from a war-torn country, to uh, be part of their foreign policy because they will just enact the same brutality as adults right. on the next generation of people. Exactly. And who is another example of that? Henry Kissinger. There you go. <laughs> right? Henry Kissinger was another uh, refugee from from uh, Germany. Yeah. And and instead of uh, being anti-fascist and, uh, you know, having some sort of humanity, he just replicated all of the cruelty that he witnessed as a young man back onto um, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos. Uh, Everywhere he gets fucking sinking hands. Yeah, up. yeah. He's actually unable to leave the country <laughs> for many different places <laughs> because they're trying to bring his ass to the Hague. Yeah. And he's afraid of getting caught up. It's like, don't let people, it's like, don't let kids that were molested by priests become priests. <laughs> exactly. Someone should have told that to the Catholic Church who had 100 fucking, 300 fucking years ago. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's just like not a job. It's you know, there's no, uh, you're not responsible for what happened to you as a child, but like you now can't have uh, a role where you can replicate the trauma that was enacted upon you onto others. Yeah, it, 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 they should do a little due diligence too. Like, <laughs> hey, do you have war trauma that you're gonna turn around and really just juice up with steroids and take out on the rest of the world now? <laughs> It's comic book shit. That's yeah. what how villains are born. Like yeah. They have a traumatic experience and then it 
changes their mind in a way that they justify the fucked up things they do because they think they're right and it's just collateral damage for them to have this utopian vision that they believe in. That's every comic book villain for the most part. Yeah, man. So uh, Kissinger Albright and this like lady that worked for the uh, National Security State uh, Apparatus. I forgot the name of the actual organization from last episode. They're all the same type of people. Mm-hmm. Now I just, I'm going to look at everybody's bio when I hear that they're like a foreign policy expert. Like, where did you where did you come from? And yeah, you came from you somewhere. Teeth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, what's oh, your origin was... story? <laughs> yeah. They're like, I was in Nigeria and Boko Haram came through. So now I just want to kill everyone in yeah. the world. <laughs> Hard pass. Miss me with that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Al Shabaab killed my whole family. So now I, I want order over uh, f- uh, any sort of personal freedom. Nope. Yeah. It's like hanging out with Peter Thiel. Uh, when it, you know, Al Shabaab. Uh, terrible name because whenever I hear it, I just think shish kebabs. Yeah, Sam, I get real hungry. Sam, uh, Al kebab? How <laughs> yeah, dare you ruin yeah. such a great thing? <laughs> yeah, mm, char- charcoaled meat chunks on sticks. Yeah, I want like, some of that. Need a little garlic sauce and some fucking hummus with that. But mm. yeah, those guys were <laughs> yeah, no so bueno. That, that's the whole underlying theme of this. It's just so easy. Uh, in this day and age, to get everyone to unite around sloganry and flagsmanship, you know, everybody on Instagram right now just popping the Ukrainian flag in next to their name in their bio. Yeah. What the fuck, man? <laughs> no, the, like, dude, they're all Super Bowl uh, football boys, basically, you know, yeah. picking a team and picking a color. Yeah. It's like just because you went to Veselka once <laughs> doesn't mean that you need to fucking have the blue and yellow flag. Yeah. And we all know there's some Nazi shit going on in Ukraine. It's not just like, God, that's the best part. They make it sound so preposterous. They go like, come on, like Russians saying there's Nazis there. Like, <laughs> of course there is. It's like, no, there is. And the New York Times themselves are the worst fucking people. I hate them so much. <laughs> I honestly really do hate them. And they did somebody did this side by side comparison. I just was uh, licking my lips when I saw it. There was an article from a few years ago about the Azov battalion. Yeah. And it outright said in the New York Times, this battalion is openly Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> or and openly neo Nazi, and even when they say they're not, they're like, "No, we're not Nazis. We're into uh, a, 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 an ethnic state. Yeah, we're, <laughs> okay. we're into a pure, a pure state of pure Ukrainians." I'm like, "Oh, okay, that sounds real Nazi-ish." Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a killer. I just dispatch people <laughs> with weapons to their death. Yeah, so these guys, the New York Times called them out as being openly neo Nazi, and then next to it is a recent. New York Times article, where the article says that they're far right. <laughs> right? Just keep the original thing you said. Just say they're neo-Nazi. But the New York Times is just the fucking opiate of the masses, ruining shit like Wordle. <laughs> <laughs> trying to shut my man Bernie down. Just straight up shut him out. They use their resources and all of their might to just shut out Bernie mm-hmm. and to ridicule the concept of Healthcare for all while people are drowning in fucking medical debt and people are unable to live in this country and survive when they get afflicted by some sickness. Well, that's and like they're like, who, 
are we all stupid? Like, <laughs> of course nobody deserves medical care. Uh, it'll be horrible if you were to be able to get free medical care. Don't you want the good shit that costs, like, millions of dollars? I'm so bummed out, man. With uh, Jen Psaki, uh, basically a couple days ago was like, we are we can't we can't pay as a government for like treatment for the fourth wave, uh, yeah. a fourth shot. We can't we can't really do anything for auto compromised people. It is what it is. And then she gets like reinfected with COVID like the day after she says that. And I'm <sighs> at least when Trump got infected, he what was cool for me and hilarious was him getting up on the balcony jacked up on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I've <laughs> taken prednisone before when I had pneumonia and you get this euphoria, but you're still struggling to breathe. Yeah. So I was watching him up there and I was like, my man, I've been there. Yeah. I've had, I've been struggling to breathe, but also been full of adrenaline like and Goku hubris. Style? Yeah. Goku, but unable to breathe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or like in the new Batman when he shoots himself in the leg with the stem and he's like, ah, yeah, to like, he, he gives himself jacked up. He gives himself an adrenaline shot. That's what like gay CEOs <laughs> do to get a boner. They jack <laughs> it directly into their hog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Epi bends to the scrotum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Power <laughs> CEOs that are gay are really into that bussy. And they're injecting like into their dick. I have no, I don't know anything well, about I this. Well, I only say that because I have a friend who yeah. uh, was an assistant to a famous power CEO. Yeah. And he had like NDAs at the ass, but he was telling me that that power CEO would shoot like uh, boner juice directly into his dick and would take steroids and shit to be like jacked and stuff. And had like a boy jacuzzi in his house where he would just have like nineteen year old twinks over and then like be pounding them on like I was like, yo, that is the most badass shit. Like if I was a power CEO, I'd most likely shoot steroids into my dick or whatever. Sure. But um I don't know. That was a tirade. But yeah, it it's just great to see the cognitive dissonance. Um I feel like we're definitely trending upward as a society. Uh-huh. <laughs> Things are Definitely going to work out for us. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Uh, keep it, Keep drinking those raw eggs and uh, yeah. enjoy, enjoying the open free market of not having health care. Exactly. Definitely um, make sure that health care costs you at least 75% of your take-home income post-tax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After after you realize that all of us are renters and you're already <laughs> paying too. and you're already paying eighty percent of your monthly income on housing, sure. And they want America to be a nation of renters too. They won't solve that crisis now. Uh, one thing I realize about and you know won't go too deep into this. We can talk about it in more episodes because things are changing. But one thing I did realize by doing some reading was. Now that the interest rates have gone back up and there was that buying frenzy of people buying up housing and properties because of the uh, mortgage rates being so low and people refinancing, nobody's fucking moving. Because if you leave the house that you have now and you're fixed on that low interest rate, you're about to jump up to a four point whatever percent interest rate. And so you're fucked. There's nothing that ever makes sense for you to leave now where you are. So that creates almost cemented like movement. And that is going to 
turn into uh we're already in a housing shortage but that's going to turn into an extreme housing shortage because nobody wants to move so yeah yeah and you can't give uh i was thinking about this with we're now trying to uh penalize the oligarchs the russian oligarchs right by um maybe freezing their assets but you can't the the problem is that uh diplomatically you have to be able to give them this the carrot the stick is i'm going to freeze your assets Right. But the carrot is, okay, if you guys change your ways or if you're able to influence Putin, we'll give you back your, your property. So even if we freeze it, some people have like made this argument that, oh, well, why don't we give the homeless housing from you know the oligarchs housing? And by some people, me. But you can't really do that because if, if they did that, then they would have nowhere. Then they'd just be 100% uh, aligned with Russia. There would be no diplomatic... Uh, incentive exactly yeah you can't turn their yachts into uh (laughs) into navy medical ships exactly they're like well you took my shit away so fuck you now (laughs) right yeah and that's what Zelensky said today he was like abramovich do not sanction him because he's a bargaining chip like yeah if, if we hold the sanction over his head like we're gonna crack down on you then he's more inclined to make a deal and if we just outright sanction him, it's like, yeah, telling your well, you're not allowed to hit your kids now and stuff. I would, yeah. I know, I wouldn't hit my kids, but in the eighties, you know, back kid, in the day, you could beat your kids. <laughs> I would never do it, but yeah, now um, that you've got kids, you now all those yeah, I'm like fuck that, so that's offensive. crazy. I would be like bummed out if <laughs> I couldn't do that, you know. But yeah, I would back just get then sad. in the eighties, like the threat of getting the ass beating was actually what kept you in line. When you got the ass beating, you're like, oh, okay, that's over with now. Right. So it's like more of the fear that lingers and hangs over your head than, oh, I already tasted the repercussions, so fuck you now. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Getting uh, getting beat is uh, probably like in Jackass. All the stunts that they pull are scarier before they get pulled. Yeah. And then, you know, once you've had a bear lick honey off of your crotch... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you don't fear that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. You're like, all right. Yeah. This is just what I'm going to do from now on. Yeah, this is just Wednesdays. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Halal Cartels. And uh, you, if you're in New York and you want to see us live, we are always at Pete's Candy Store on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Every Wednesday at 10 p.m. You can catch Samir Nassim and I at Funhouse Comedy. And uh, this, uh, whatever, every um, second and fourth Saturday, I have a show called Big Break with Khalid Rahman, and it is at The Nest in Prospect Park, Lefferts Garden, and it's at 8.30 every second and fourth Saturday. If you want tickets, you should check out Gabe's Instagram and follow the link. Yeah, and uh, we would love it if you would rate, review, and uh, tell your friends about Halal Cartels because we're starting to pick up even more momentum, and we have a Discord now, and we have uh, and we have a Patreon. If you join the Patreon, you get to join the Discord and meet other like-minded Halal Cart fans. Yes, cartel heads. That's right. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Al Shish Kebab boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> we are on a watch list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm Samir, and you can find me at Samirmon, S-A-M-E-E-R-M-O-N, 
on Instagram. And I'm Gabe Pack One on Instagram. We love you. And now, uh, guiding us out of this episode are the sweet, groovy sounds of Serene Patel, aka Brown Privilege. Yeah. Thank you.